And how many t-shirts do we have left, Brandon? Mm, a few. We, it's slowly running out, but uh, we're getting to the point that they will be gone very, very soon. Here, here's, nothing, here's nothing left but extra smalls and extra larges, right? Ooh, that's right. <laughs> no, I think we still have a smattering of sizes for each each color. But uh, yes, there. It's like everything. Uh, the ends become. Uh, well, there should be some word for that, right? You're always optimizing, but yes, it's always at the at the top and the bottom of uh, the size. There's always extras. Well, listen, listen. Anyone, anyone who eats meat knows. The two following things. One, the end is always the best part, especially on a brisket because it's got all the seasoning. <laughs> you want to get the end. It's delicious. You know, in fact, here's a pro tip. If you're going to some barbecue place that's like a real barbecue place, ask for mm-hmm. an end and they'll respect you. Now, there's a few places that you go to. I forget. Maybe you all remember which one it is. But I think you, if you order a brisket, they always give you a, a little end piece. There's some place that like garnishes with an end piece and, you know, as 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 they used to say back in my day, respect, right? Like that. Uh, that's that's the way to do it. Now, the second thing, related, if you go to one of your finer grocery stores uh, and you kind of rummage around next to the deli section, there will often be a little basket of the end of the meat that they've been slicing. If you're really lucky, they'll have the ends of cheeses. Now, this is oh. a good opportunity to spend uh, eighty cents U.S to maybe $3, depending on the fanciness, to get some fancy meat or cheese that you would never get, right? You get a little prosciutto or, like, some uh, some of that Spanish ham stuff, which, confusingly, you can, for some reason, bring import Spanish ham in to sell it at Costco, but if you were to bring one of those Spanish hams that you bought in Spain through customs, they would take it. I don't know what the <laughs> difference is. Like, is there some sort of separate factory that they're manufacturing these Spanish hams in? that, like, is up to American standards and doesn't bring in, like, lice that affects the pigs or some bullshit? I don't know. Good good question. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, you go to that basket, you're going to get the end pieces. And what I'm trying to say is the T-shirts are like that. We're at the, we're at the bottom of the T-shirts. We got a code that if you get 40% off, if you like. You got to get some of these T-shirts. They're good stuff. Now, and then, and then didn't, didn't we have some other deal that we talked about before we were recording, and I've since forgotten? Well, I'm not on t-shirts right now, but I do want to tell everyone. So, end of the month, this is it. So September, so end of the month, the t-shirts will be gone. So, if you if you absolutely wanted one, you, can, you go use the link in the show notes and use the code SDTFSG. Wow. Get forty percent off. These will be uh, one. I'm I am a hundred percent positive these will become collector's items. So, if you <laughs> if you want them, get them. Uh, this is your fight. As uh, as they say, uh, you know, I feel like I am now at like my son's school or something, where like someone said, "This is your final warning." This is it. Yeah. It will be gone yeah. in October. And uh, if you uh, want one, you should get one. And if not, beyond that, um, you know, you will be out of luck. There will be no way to buy them online after that. So go to the go to the website, buy it, enjoy it, wear it. Uh, as Matt Ray was saying earlier, sleep in it. So go for it. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling that Brandon's pretty adamant about not doing t-shirts again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually like I love the t-shirts, but I know uh, it is you know as we always like to talk about strategy, product market fit. You know, evidently you know software as we talked about. I think there was even some comments about our discussion about zero marginal cost or. I think we didn't use quite the right fancy terms, but evidently, when physical goods are involved, it's a lot more complicated mm-hmm. than just uh, shipping know, bits. You know, so so we will probably focus in on uh, shipping bits, whether it be audio, a newsletter, because that that we seem to be good at. Physical items, we're not as good at. Mm. Well, you, you know, whenever uh, physical items get involved, that's when the VC gets really big. Mm. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good I'm point. Just saying. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. 
But you know, you know, at these prices, I'm considering buying some. That 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 might that might be a good idea. I can take I can take my largesse from our our lovely advertisers and uh, purchase. And that's probably some Enron level accounting scam. If I take if I take the my share of the advertising money and then move it into buying the t-shirts, I feel is that is, would that count as money laundering somehow? You know, when I put the shirt in the laundry, uh, you know. You've moved abroad. It doesn't count anymore. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Moved abroad. You know, I, I was trying to sign up for a local bank called Bunk, B-U-N-Q, which that should be your first warning sign that it's Bunk. <laughs> and uh, they had- I, I love that guy. I, I, I forget if, uh, I, forget if uh, I went over this before, but like before I moved over, they had to like verify my identity or something. And uh, right in the app, they have this video calling thing, which- went to an Eastern European lady with really bright red lipstick on. And I don't know if that means she was in Eastern Europe or whatever, but basically she was like, had me hold my passport up uh, to the screen to like verify my identity. And, you know, I don't know how that is anything, right? Like, like as, as, as with all security measures that are not just a username and a password, I'm very confused by it. But it was it was kind of amazing. Like you do this video like verification of your identity or something. And then still to this day, a month and a half later, I haven't managed to open up a bank account because they want like a copy of my lease or some <laughs> bullshit. Like it's just I don't understand. You know what that is? That's bunk. Hey, <laughs> that's right. This week's episode not brought to you by bunk, the uh, the bank that is hard to open up an account with. And then uh, and then. And then they, uh, it would give me the privilege of paying seven euros and ninety five cents to have an account with them, which which Aww. is astonishing. I'm I'm missing out. That is that is uh, just five cents short of, of eight euros that I obviously don't need. I could I just I'm burning that at the moment instead of giving it to them. So yeah, you should get you should get a t shirt forty percent off. Eat the meat ends. <laughs> And then, and then also, you know, uh, you know, another thing while we're uh, going around hat and handing or whatever, it'd be great if you wrote an iTunes review. I think that does something positive and gives us uh, more listeners and downloads. I think we're about, uh, what are we at, like 2,000 downloads an episode or something, which is great. That's a fine community. Our Slack channel is active, but it would be nice to uh, have more listeners because that's, uh, that's, that's a huge part of, I think, why we do this. And, and uh, you know, as I'm fond of saying... You should download the episode, whether you listen to it or not. I don't care. Just download it at least. <laughs> and uh, but it'd be nice if you got your friends to like download some stuff. If you want to go do some serverless thing that just makes it download a lot, that's cool too. Ooh. No problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but whatever, <laughs> just whatever it is, we got to get those numbers up. We're that, gonna set that an might be the sweet spot. Yeah, right? we, we get we'll, our, our, our our serverless listeners to to goose the numbers a bit. Mm. Yeah, that's what you should. Then we talk about it on the podcast. That's what you could you could call your little script that you put in your GitHubs. It could be, it should be called podcast underscore goose, and uh, <laughs> you can say like fork my repo or or whatever. But you know we should set we should set an OKR, and I don't really know what an OKR is except a pretty hard book to listen to. Uh, but uh, we set an OKR. We should get twenty five hundred average downloads by the end of the year. Is that does that sound reasonable? I, I like I it. Think that is a, yeah. I do like it. And I would say, because uh, asking people, no one would like to start reviews, but we have gotten many, many uh, emails and uh, short Slack comments. And, and really, I, you know, I would just tell everyone, that's all, that's all the review is, just like one sentence, just the one sentence of yeah. uh, things that you guys already are saying or doing. So uh, if you get a chance, please, please go check out iTunes and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us you sent a review and send us your mailing address and we'll send you a sticker. Maybe, maybe if you write a review, 
send you two stickers. Big time rolling. <laughs> so, so speaking of incentives and uh, you know numbers and stuff, <laughs> the State of DevOps Report 2018. It's finally here. Yes, it's exciting. Did did y'all did y'all get a chance to read over it? Uh, I, I've, I've made a good dent in it. Mm, just like, just like Steve Jobs on reality. <laughs> well, I, I don't think people will be dressing like me based off my, my interpretation of the state of DevOps report, but, um, no, I, I mean, it's, it, you know, I've, I've read through most of them <laughs> and this year, like <laughs> collect others, them all, <laughs> uh, collect them all. Right. I mean, this is, uh, the fifth one uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, they just keep getting better. Much mm-hmm. like Apple products, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, on that topic, uh, if you have Apple airports, do not plug them into your existing network by Ethernet because it'll bring down your network. I don't understand why that happens, but be careful about that. But yeah, you know, I actually spent, uh, I remember some time ago, I spent uh, some time file naming all the DevOps reports correctly, you know, put a, the year number first so you could do your year over year comparison. So, yeah, I think it's a good report. I think I think to give my my top of the line summary, it's got all the usual stuff, right? Like high performers gonna high perform, fantastic. <laughs> maybe maybe with your uh, with with your better understanding of of mathematics between the two of you, you could you could explain to me what this cluster stuff is in a little bit. But uh, I think I think the best newest part is they try to quantify is the wrong word. They try to explain what you would do to improve the culture. Uh, and there, there's a bit of like, there's a pretty good, uh, does cogent mean that it's well-written, I think? There's mm-hmm. this kind of a yeah. cogent, a very well-done explanation of uh, our belief, and this is the, the DevOps report. Our belief is that if you want to instill a good culture, what that means is uh, giving teams the authority to make their own decisions. I think there's some other shit in there. But it's basically like tell people as a leader, right? Tell people what the as a leader or manager, or whatever. Tell people what the uh, the strategy is, what you want them to do, and then give them the autonomy and then the responsibility to actually own uh, the the software they're working on and and the destiny of it and, and all of that stuff. Which I think is pretty good because, like, you know, I've been working on my uh, my my uh, my book about how to how to digital transformation. That's that's what I should oh. call it. Uh, but, uh, by the way, the the dummies guide to digital. Oh man. (laughs) Oh, that one's probably out. Don't, don't, don't tempt me. That would, that would be great. I I think, I think it would, my, my brand of course is going to have to be something that's has has some, uh, some swear words and it'd be like, you know, the fucking idiots guide to insert here would, would be great. Or anyhow. Uh, so I think the point that I was getting at is, is I, I have a, um, kind of an ongoing section or not ongoing. I need to fill out a section on culture as, as leaders. And, uh, you know, I read all the stuff. I, uh, I read a lot and it it occurred to me that no one in the DevOps world has really explained what the fuck that means. They just keep telling you that it's all about culture and that you should be nice, but it's the, the typical self-help book thing, not to get us in this rat hole of, uh, Topics of culture in DevOps confuse telling you the end state versus how to get there. Um, and, you know, yeah. the, anyway, yeah, I mean, so, but I, but I felt I'm, I'm probably about, you know, 40 to 70% wrong on this point. But coming back <laughs> to the point, I thought this year's DevOps report was extremely helpful in answering that question. What is culture and how would you get to that tactically? 
Um, so, so, yes, the, I, I having having read, um, you know, I, I doubt I've uh, read as in depth as you on the the DevOps uh, side of things, but um, I think one of the books, uh, let me, uh, Effective DevOps, that one is a lot more focused on mm. the cultural side of things. Yeah, I should go you back know, so, and reread that. That is a good one. Yeah. Um, cause, cause, you know, so, so I, I gave, you know, I, to, um, I gave a, a talk, um, at, uh, DevOps days Jakarta and I'll be updating it for, uh, DevOps days, Newcastle and probably Singapore, um, where I kind of talk about, talk through the history of, of the DevOps movement, um, punctuated by books. You know, like you gotta you gotta put a stake in the ground around something. So you know, this was a nice little road markers, and the effective DevOps came out as the same time as the DevOps cookbook. You know, within mm. like a month of each other, and they are very different books. Like DevOps cookbook, you know, a lot of the same, uh, you know, some some of the same uh, people as uh, as DevOps uh, report. You know, state of DevOps. Um, not Nicole Forsgren, you know, but she's the she's the lead on the report. I think. I don't think she's involved in the cookbook. I'm sure she was, you know, uh, involved. But anyway, Effective DevOps by Jennifer Davis and Rand Daniels uh, is more on the cultural side of things, whereas the cookbook is literally like, you know, go through these processes, and you know, if you keep quacking, eventually people are going to think you're a duck, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so it, it's it's literally a cookbook, right? You, you know, you can you can fake it till you make it. And effective DevOps spends more time talking about you know uh, building healthy culture and you know and that's that's really important. So sorry. yeah, sorry no, I, I, no, no, I, I think I think you're right because I remember I think I even wrote like a small review of that book uh, at some point, and it was like this book is all about the the culture stuff, and it pairs well with the handbook. So I should go back and read that. So so yeah. I, I stand I stand uh, potentially corrected in my uh, my uh, you know overblown offensive opinions Lucy held. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the key though overblown opinions loosely held that's right that's right <laughs> I, I like to get hyperbolic and then move on yeah yeah you know i was thinking i'm often criticized uh in all walks of my life for being hyperbolic and i was walking around this morning i was thinking like i i, I, <laughs> I call those people <laughs> i i wouldn't i wouldn't exactly call them call myself being hyperbolic just no. being myself right like <laughs> like maybe I, maybe I i'm hyperbolic Maybe I'm actually being very accurate, and everyone else is just subbolic, and who, who, who knows? Wow, subbolic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another another thing. Uh, uh, you know, to 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 go to the other end of the spectrum uh, to triviality. Did you notice that this year's report was in landscape mode? Very confusing. It's like it's like they read my uh, my tips on surviving in a big a big company, and they realize that okay. most documents are actually uh, word docs in portrait mode. And they were like, "How do you like me now?" And they they yeah. printed out a document in landscape, and so uh, well, so that's fun. That's uh, that's that's smart because I mean. Most of the time, you're reading these things on a laptop screen, mm -hmm. and then when you when you go full screen on the PDF, you're exactly. only seeing half the page. Now, uh, and then, and then and then speaking of those mechanics, now last year, you know they got that uh, they got that boxes and and lines charts in there, um, which are mm -hmm. great. Last year, they finally made a complete one that fits on uh, one sixteen nine ratio slide, which was awesome because uh, up until then, I had to always like munge them together. But this year, they fucked that all up. 
now now you can't put everything on uh, one slide when it comes to the boxes and arrows, which is fine. But that that would be a nice those door people. They should uh, they should do that. They need to have like well, the, the one slide. I mean, as a as a as a gold sponsor, don't you have uh, access to like the raw materials and mm. and they can like, hook you up? Mm, I think I think they put a big Chinese wall between me and the uh, the people people we sponsor. <laughs> I just I just mean the raw content of the <laughs> of the whatever generated the PDF. Mm. You know? Yeah, uh, the frame maker <laughs> file. Yeah, exactly. You know what you could do? I've been experimenting with like videos and animations in my PowerPoints. You know, I'm about I'm about uh, 30 years late to that. And uh maybe you could make a looping animation that that just like flipped through all of the, you know, the the different boxes and lines things. And then and then while I'm kind of like doing my prattling, you could, people can just stare at it. Um so that that might be uh well, that, that might see, be an that's option. that's the problem with animation is people start staring at it and stop listening to you cuz they're enchanted by you know whatever gif you have on the screen. Mm. Uh, I, you know it's it's funny you say that because as I was saying that I was thinking like that would be a great opportunity in my professional <laughs> life for me to just zone out cuz no one's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I could just start like, talking about whatever. You're like everybody likes motion. Um <laughs> So, so do you think so, the whole uh, the whole uh, uh, you know PDF deck it is seemed to be just designed right for everyone to cut and paste or mm. add these slides to existing presentations, which is always good, right? It seems like they're just sort of like behind this just seems to be like, hey, here's a whole bunch of information that you can use to sell DevOps to your you know your CEO, your managers to evangelize it, if you will, uh, as needed. Which uh, the only part I find that kind of Every time I look at these reports, it's always like, you know, this notion of like high performer, low performer. It's usually about like how 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 frequently you release, how much you're like, you know, um, how quickly you can put functionality out there. But there isn't, you know, I guess it's just left to the reader to be like, well, are we making more money because we're doing that? Like at that part is always like there's just like a lot of hand wavy kind of stuff. It's almost like you work out a lot, but you're like you are you healthier? Like is that are you sure that's what's happening? Um, so I guess that's just an implicit you know, bias or just embedded in this. If you do these things, you know, these things actually make you more money or make you uh, reduce your costs. But um, I don't know. At the same time, I, I kind of wonder, like, is, is that really the case? Like, is that really happening? Especially when they have like the elite, the 7% elite, like, is that, is that group of companies like financially performing as, you know, uh, as at an elite level? Um, so I don't know, maybe it's, it's probably too much to ask that anyone could figure that out. But I think that's like an open question a report like this kind of, you know, poses to you. Mm. Yeah, I should go back and, and read for that because I think, I think over the last couple of years, the the DevOps reporters have been talking about, and they think they even mentioned it in this report, but they 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 keep talking about bringing in I don't know share price or something, some sort of financials into the mm-hmm. mix, and they might have that in like whatever the machine learning hoo-ha behind all of it is probably no machine learning just some some science as it were uh but that is that is a part that's always frustratingly missing is is the money side of things but i don't know i mean i would give them at this point the benefit of the doubt but still it would add yeah, it, it would add some more um awesomeness <laughs> yeah no i, I agree it. i mean I, when i say that i don't even know you know, to be honest, like I'm not even sure how easy or possible it is. And in, in absence of it, like you know, it it's fine to like you know give because I don't think they're necessary. I think it's just sort of implied in this. Like slide 14, yeah. things, I was kind of like just going through it. Like 
you know, I'll just these are the categories they as they kind of like I guess their rankings are elite, high, medium, and low. Um, so it's like deployment frequency, lead time for change, time to restore service, change failure rate. Like, um, and those are all the the aspects of software de- delivery performance that they define. So I, I mean, on the face of it, right? I think it would be it's kind of almost crazy to make the case that like, well, these things don't matter, right? It just that doesn't seem like logical. But at the same time, I I do I can see where like. Like deployment frequency, you know, just just to state the obvious would be like, well, I mean, depending on what you're deploying, right? It could really, really matter. Or if people aren't using it, maybe not. So I don't know. It's just it's like these reports, I guess, always leave those questions out there. And so you have to figure it out for your company if it works. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and it would. Yeah. I, also, I, I love that they uh, they've matched their categories to the uh, the Marriott Starwood. Uh, rankings they just there's <laughs> like platinum elite platinum gold and silver and uh i, I heard now the, yeah i heard that marriott messed up that old merge version mm. of the spg and oh boy i don't know Fucking, i don't do that stuff yeah that don't don't get me started on that that was that was <laughs> that's crazy i had to go but i had to go back to like the flyer talk forums to find the secret email address to send to oh and, dear oh man but but one of the things I, I, I do like um, is it's they are starting to get more prescriptive about mm. more than just like, well, you know, it's about deployment frequency and automation and, um, you know, the software metrics and, and moving into, you know, some of the culture stuff like you mentioned. I the, the part where they, they dug into outsourcing, they were pretty much like, you know, <laughs> yeah. fool's gold. You know, and it's like, does that belong in the state of DevOps report? But no, I, I, I want, I want to have people say that more often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I think, I think, I think. So I agree. The, out, the outsourcing thing was uh, delightful. Which, you know, the the question it raised in my head is like, uh, so, so are we done with outsourcing? Like, because we're I don't, not. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I mean, in the same way that we're not done with war and famine, but it's sort of yeah. like. The civilized, <laughs> the civilized world generally agrees that shit's fucked up, right? And 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 it seems like uh, I'm not sure anyone would anyone in the quote unquote civilized world of IT would think outsourcing was a good idea. Anyway, how at, at least in the context yeah. of custom written software, but yeah, I think yeah. I think I think, uh, I think to your uh, to to railroad over you here. I think. Um, I think the the what, what's in, what, the place that the DevOps report and all of the DevOps world in, is is in now is uh, what what are they called? Moving down to the uh, giving advice to the not the elite or the high, but the medium and the low. The you know your old uh, diffusion of innovation crossing the chasm stuff. Where like at this point you gotta you gotta talk to the laggard, the early laggards and the super laggards right, and say like right, right. how do we solve your problems? And a big problem they're gonna have is uh, outsourcing. <laughs> and next year and I don't I don't think they cover this. Next year they're probably what they should cover is um, procurement and finance. Procurement would come after finance, but like oh, one thing to cover would be like how do the elite and the high performers do the business case side of things? What characteristics well, do they have? And then after that, you would have procurement, right? Which would bring in government uh, into the into the mix for things. Oh God! I mean, so so what 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 what. What probably happens is is you know we've got was this two pages on outsourcing where they're just kind of like don't do it or three pages uh, four okay it keeps going but um, next year it'll be like techniques for insourcing 
<laughs> you know how to revive <laughs> your, your your moribund software development practices because you've already gone too far down this path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that that's not something that you're going to turn around in uh, you know in one year. It's something that you can start talking about. You know, high performing people on the road to recovery. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Put, putting racing stripes on the bandwagon. <laughs> Where do I get my outsourcing methadone and get back on living clean? Right. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, it's it's nice to have you know a semi annual, well, semi annual, an annual compendium of good DevOps stuff in one easy to hand out, you know, yeah. PDF. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, I think what you said, it's very prescriptive at this point. And, yeah. and, and just to, uh, I mean, just to point out one more, one more thing that I think is nice. I forget what, which page it's on, but there's a, uh, there's a, there's one thing that's sort of like a, a table of manual work done by your four bands of hotel loyalty. And, um, I think, I think what's interesting to use that for again, like I'm always thinking, not again, but I'm always thinking about how would you, apply this in like a company of 19,000 to 20,000 developers and, and all the, the P people who manage that process. I mean, they, you know, they need metrics and things and you could take this percentage of manual work that people do. And those would be good targets for putting automation in place to remove what SRE people would call toil. Right. So for example, <laughs> you're uh, never mind the elite. Cause that's like the 1% of people who work at Facebook and Google. So good for them. Maybe Twitter, um, but, uh, like you look at the high performing people and they spend like 10% of their time on configuration management, 20% on testing and 10% on deployment and 30% on change approvals. And so, you know, those are probably good benchmarks to go for when, when you're figuring out how much automation you should do for things. And, uh, that's, I think that's an extremely like useful, practical thing to have that, uh, would do something, uh, valuable for you. Well, there's one other section I think is I found uh, especially interesting is the uh, page 55. The in the the opening line is uh, our monitoring and observability the same thing, and they go through and explain um, mm. that potentially uh, that people while uh, people within the industry have uh, strong opinions about these being the same thing that the people taking the survey think they're the same, and they say it in a lot a little slightly different way than that. But I thought that was really both kind of funny and uh, at the same time, very, you know, I think it's very accurate, right? It's like, you know, what exactly is happening here? So it's interesting just to see it kind of called out because um, I'm sure these people are getting lots of emails um, from all kinds of vendors and people in the industry that want to make sure certain categories are presented, um, you know, on equal footing. Um, but I just, you know, it's interesting when someone sort of calls it out and just says, eh, no, that's not really what people really think. These are the same, even if you think they're they're different. Mm. Yeah, they have a, a nice definition between the two. Very, it's very succinct. Page fifty three, if you're following along at home, and uh, <laughs> right. it's 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 uh, it's it's nice because it's uh, clear and distinct, and also uh, fits your intuition of monitoring basically being as we used to call it monitoring. And then observ observability is basically like instrumenting your code and also tools you would need to do uh, root cause analysis and, and figure out. I don't know if you're allowed to find the root anymore so much as just like find the server that needs to be rebooted. <laughs> but whatever, you know, fixing the problem, uh, as it were. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, making sure that you're equipped with all the tools that you need to find things without, you know, from the get go. 
you know, so yeah. given any sort of, I mean, that, that to me, that was one of the things that was, uh, I think, uh, uh, um, the honeycomb folks pointed out the other day that observability is, is being in the situation where, you know, everything is available to you to, to, to find it. Whereas monitoring is just like gathering metrics. You don't mm. know. Yeah. Now, now but, is it, if, if you were interested in that kind of thing, is there someone who could help out with that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, our good friends at Datadog, I think, would be very happy to help out with your monitoring observability. And if you're confused about what they do are, you could probably just talk to them and they would give you a, a very, very clear understanding of what it is. But we want to let everybody know that this episode is sponsor- sponsored by our great friends at Datadog. And this week, Datadog wants you to know about logging without limits. And Logging Without Limits lets you cost-effectively process and archive all of your logs and decide on the fly which logs to index, visualize, and return for analytics in Datadog. Now you can collect every single log produced by your applications and infrastructures without having to decide ahead of time which logs will be most valuable for monitoring, analytics, and troubleshooting. And as always, you can sign up for a free trial of Datadog by going to www.datadog.com slash software-defined-talk. Sign up, they'll do a couple things in the account, and they'll send you a great t-shirt. And of course, we always want you to tell them that your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. That's right. You can monitor and observe. Fantastic. So, so uh, I, don't know, I don't know if one of you two has an answer to this. But but uh, to, to, is, is there is there is there someone who can explain the the sort of clustering stuff like how this data is derived? Now it's, let me let me let me do my thing and talk after asking a question. But <laughs> so they they sit they send out a survey and there's something about there's some fancy name for it, but it's basically like we posted it on Twitter, LinkedIn, and asked our friends to fill it out, which is fine. What are you gonna do? Uh, and so so people fill out the survey. And and then what? So the the survey, and then there's this big black box I don't understand, and then there's like a seventy eight page report with with astonishing figures in it. But like how what goes on in between there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to say I saw Nicole Forsgren had posted something about um, like the the foundational materials of the report being accessible somewhere and i don't know where that is but but you know essentially so you know her you know the 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 work could be reviewed and um you know the the raw materials that's what you're asking for right is there yeah a way that, yeah well know, well here let, let me let me let me just race to the 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 concern i always have and by concern i don't mean it negative and just like the thing i'm curious about is like uh it would seem to me in a study like this, it's it's possible to take all these survey responses and, as I kind of joked about earlier, basically say people who are elite performers uh, do these things, but we have no idea if doing these things causes them to be elite performers or because they are elite performers and make money hand over fist, they are able to do these things versus mm-hmm. like if I am working at some big government agency and every year one of my like IT or development friends gets outsourced or like fired or I guess you can't fire people or like, you know, mentally demoralized to the state that they're a no-op, 
Like, I can't do those things. So therefore, I'm a low performer not doing these things. And so, like, that's why I keep saying the clustering because my very basic understanding, and Nicole was very nice once and said she would explain it to me, and I never took her up on that offer. But, like, it sounds like there's a danger of you just sort of, like, are emergently finding the people who are awesome. But you don't – that doesn't really tell you anything. It's like, you know, it turns out that if you're a rich person – you have a yacht, right? Which, which means like, oh, right, if I want to be a rich person, I should get a yacht. Oh, fuck, right? Like it's just sort of like I don't understand how the black box sort of like does anything except tell you what successful people do. But I know that's not quite right. I mean, I don't know. Right. I mean the, the sample uh, with each year by getting a larger sample size, you know, that, that – you know, decreases that, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, sample, you know, f- f- the, the findings, finding that matching the sampling, whatever, you know, obviously we're a bunch of trained statisticians here on the show. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, don't, don't you used to, you used to study rocks. You got to know statistics for rocks and shit, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sure. Uh, I actually the 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 first the last statistics class I took was traffic theory because uh, mm. I got my statistics out of the way when I was a civil engineering major. So there you go. Um, I don't know anything about statistics, <laughs> but I do think you <laughs> good know, answer. I I because there is a pretty in the at the back of this thing they kind of go through their you know a, a reasonable explanation of the, how they did it their methodology which i'm sure anybody that's into stats would probably understand more but i do think i mean even if you come up a level and just say like you know automation and it like there's always this you know kind of ongoing discussion like let's say the the larger mainstream kind of business press is like you know all this automation is happening but like are we like you know productivity measures of the economy like gdp and stuff like that sometimes people say well it's not really changing right so it's like you know, so so another way to say that is like, hey, yeah, it's great we have Slack, but now we're all just wasting time in Slack. You know what I mean? We're not mm-hmm. actually doing anything more. Uh, and that's like, I think any type of study like this, I don't. It's it's probably too. I don't think it's easy for a statistical method. I mean, it can kind of tell you kind of the like what's happening, right? But not like necessarily the causation, right? I think that's always going to be left to some other study mm. or some other person to interpret in, inter- you know, kind of like, as we talked about it originally at the outset of this was, you know, on the face, it's just like, you know, just like, yeah, on the face of like, does the, is the world more efficient because we have email? I mean, it feels like it is right. The fact that we don't have to like send letters everywhere, but at the same time you're like, but also email is a waste of time a lot, you know, and same thing with maybe like, it's great. We can deploy faster, but if we're deploying every day and, we're just kind of making ourselves feel good and it's just small little features that really don't have any impact on the business, then, you know, maybe it doesn't matter, right? The fact that you deployed well, that. So there's always going to be that, like, you're going to have to do that work on yourself, right? You know, you, your organization, and be like, we put all this effort in there. Are we making more money? Like you never absolved of that, asking that question yourself. Well, and I, and I, I mean, humans are, are messy and businesses are messy and software development is messy. So the best you can do is align the you know the quote unquote high performing people you know your your starward platinum and and get those people like well these are the things that those people do and it correlates with them so you know if if I if I don't know which one of these is the silver bullet and none of them are but um, 
we also know that the negatives of what those people are doing, you know, like, you know, having huge waterfall deployments once a year, we know that doesn't work. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like, well, I can't tell you that, you know, doing, you know, code review, you know, pair programming is the one thing that's going to make everything better. But if you strive to, you know, get closer to the, uh, the, you know, the, the high performing people and your behavior, you're going to get better results. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, there's I, all I, sorts of crazy variables that that could interfere with that, of course. Yeah. Right. You and, know? and and so, I mean, and just to, just to make it clear that I'm not like being, you know, uh, too much of my negative self, but it, it's a good report. You should. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> no, it it's, is, uh, it it's, it's, I, I think, I think the, for me with my analyst hat, the most important thing about this report is that it happens every year. So you can do year over year comparison more or oh, less. Yeah. Right. So the, the trajectory, as, as they tell you, when you're trying to be healthy, any single data point of your weight is uh, irrelevant. You want to pay attention to the curve and which way it's going. Uh, and so, so it goes with this kind of stuff. So one, uh, and you know, that that's all fine. And then I think, I think the, to the point of things being actionable and also to my financing, there is one little like thread of finance that's really good in here. And it is, um, uh, it's like a, a kind of this notion of cost of delay and using that as a way to persuade people uh, to do things in a, in a DevOps fashion. And there, there's some study. And if you go look at the website, it's from like that, that, that black swan farmer person looks fascinating that, that dude must have an awesome life. I think he's, uh, he's as they say, a Kiwi. So maybe you should uh, look him up, Matt, right? Probably just a few blocks from where you live, if I understand. Uh, I'll, be there. I'll be there soon. That's right. But uh, anyways, you know, it's basically a study of, uh, I think it's uh, for Maersk, the, uh, the Marsk, the shipping people. And it's yep. sort of a calculation of like, if, if we had taken longer to put these features in production, it would have cost us this much money. Uh, and I didn't really read the case too well, but there's a similar thing in the uh, that the U.S. Air Force did, who's a great reference case for Pivotal. We're pretty awesome. You should buy our products and services. But uh, it's it's a similar analysis they did that if if we would have taken you know three to five years to deploy this software, we wouldn't have found all this money we could have saved. So including the cost we would have paid military contractors to make the software, and also the money we wouldn't saved over three to five years, it would have cost us this much money. And you know, uh, that's a bit of like a, a, a finance life hack, which is to say it's not perfect, but it is an interesting way of framing and thinking about, uh, proving yourself to the finance side. And then, and then, uh, and then again, because of the actionable stuff to emphasize it, that, that Matt was talking about earlier, like the, the culture part is pretty good. It's pretty prescriptive in the sense of, having retrospectives is probably a cause of good culture and like having the autonomous teams is good. And then finally, I think, I think one notable thing as all, as many notable things aren't mentioned, you'll notice there's no puppet involvement in it. Right. Which I, I don't know what the story with that is, but it's, that's some fun, uh, you know, swirling around your cognac type of, uh, eyebrow raising to, to fiddle around with. Uh, so uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, uh, this seems to be a recurrent theme, but I'm sure Google showed up with a bigger, you know, a bigger checkbook. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I bet, you know, I mean, there's numerous other sponsors, including Pivotal, right? right. right? So there, there was obviously uh, several tiers of uh, sponsorship you could do. You got, you got your diamond and you got your gold. 
and so it is, I don't know, it's just, it's just, uh, this used to be the puppet state of DevOps report. And now, uh, now much like, uh, I don't know, the, uh, Kubernetes and the Harbor registry, it seems to be fully independent of the, uh, the previous owners of, of the thing. Yeah. 2008 state of DevOps report, accelerate to awesomeness, put a brick on the gas pedal and yank out the brakes. I think, I think that's the, uh, the, the take, right? Well, there's also, uh, there's also several other interesting things that have been happening in the world. And by several, I mean, not very many. Uh, there's, uh, th- there's actually some good after, after at least I stumbled through like VMworld stuff. There's some good recaps, of course, that came out and we'll put some yep. linked in links in the show notes. Now the show notes, if you wanted to see them, uh, they're, uh, they're over at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 146. There's all, I'll also put a link to, um, my more detailed notes on uh, the DevOps report uh, that I took earlier this week. And you can see the VMware things. And uh, I haven't looked at it, but also notably, I'll have to look at it some more. Uh, Elastic, uh, I don't know what their full name is, but they, it looks like they have an S1. They like filed for an IPO. And there's some, uh, I, I cautiously went over to Hacker News and there was some good brief analysis of the numbers in there. So it looks like they're doing well. And there was, there was, there was some good comps talk about uh, comparing it to MuleSoft and uh, Twilo and things like that. And then finally, our beloved friend, HEB Buddy, looks like they're opening an innovation lab in Austin. I think they bought this company uh, Favor. And, and as, as you often do, with an innovation lab, uh, I'm, I'm imagining they're rebranding the, uh, the favor offices and adding some new, uh, buddies in there, but that's fun. It, it, I'm, I'm no, I'm no longer in Austin, but, uh, it, it's been, it's been fun to watch HEB sort of like figure out the, uh, the omni channel thing. And, uh, I don't know, it'll be great to see them software on their grocer margins. Uh, that that's, that's fun stuff. And uh, also, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, if you write us a review, we'll send you two stickers. But if you just want stickers without writing a review, you can send that email to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And uh, in, in, in your email, please explain why you did not write an iTunes review. And Brandon <laughs> will send you one sticker. Uh, just a little, little, you know, doctor's note. As, as if you could just email Brandon your your iTunes login, he will uh, <laughs> remedy that. I'll take it from here. Yeah, I'll take it from there. That's, Absolutely, that's right. And and we uh, we we're continuing our second season, as it were, of software defined interviews. Uh, we had one posted uh, earlier this week where Brandon interviewed me about uh, being an evangelist or an advocate or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I think it was a good episode. Also, also yeah. while I'm in the uh, the hype zone here. Uh, I finally posted an episode of my other podcast uh, called uh, Cashed Out at cashedout.coffee, which is a real URL. And uh, somehow we ended up talking about like uh, CMSing your your life and things like that. So that's some thrilling content uh, to listen into. It's 90 minutes of that. And then uh, how's, how's your app doing, Brandon? It's doing fantastic. You know, millions of downloads, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to in fact just retired any moment, but yeah, if you make a lot of conference calls and you want a way to quickly dial them for all your favorite services, like, uh, let's say blue jeans is a new one I learned about and WebEx and mm. all those things. What one place to do it, you know, check it out, go to a quick con call, uh, dot com and download my iPhone app. Give it a shot. Tell me you like it. Tell me you hate it. You know, I always like to hear feedback. And speaking of feedback, we got some good feedback from uh, the listeners this week. So Rob from the Slack channel, he posted a YouTube uh, video uh, that 
properly explains how to pronounce, and I'm going to do my best here, Galway. Because I think last week, uh, Brian wanted us to tell everyone to know about DevOps Days Galway. And I probably said Galloway, because I think it's like a, I don't know, I think that's a golfing brand here. I don't know, it's a word mm. I know how to say. So I probably just said a word <laughs> I know how to say rather than the actual word. And I'm still not sure I said it correctly. So if you want, you can go to uh, watch the YouTube day. And that's actually a good YouTube video. It shows a bunch of stuff about Galway that I didn't know. So yeah, you, you know, can, I, 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 w- I was thinking about that when you were saying it last week. And, and I don't know if this is true, but I feel like an American english thing is to like throw extra a's into words like that like it's almost like we're just like man there needs to fucking be a vowel in there this is bullshit (laughs) those two consonants (laughs) need to separate i'm just gonna put it in there and uh because it feels very natural when i see that instantly in my mind it's galloway like it's just like that's the way it's gonna be done so i think it's kind of i think they do that it's kind of how how my brain just freezes up when i see like a uh a Polish last name. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. no. That's just to say, so, uh, so yeah, yes, I absolutely did just add a vowel. And I'm glad, I, I thought it was just a, a branded thing. So if it's an American thing, I feel, I feel good. I feel better. I like to have lots of friends uh, mispronouncing uh, right. wor- words uh, lately. <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to, we actually had a, a couple of people point this out is, uh, yes, uh, we do know if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com in Chrome, because uh, the Google guys, they're all serious about security, which is good. We like it. But you may see a site that just says, like, you're not secure. And that just uh, means that we've, uh, we're working through the certificates with our provider, Fireside.fm. So I'll just tell everyone right now, if you're worried about that we're collecting personal data, the good news is, like, we don't actually collect any data. So there's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's maybe not Joke's good business. You. Yeah, it's probably not good business, but, like, we don't really know anything about you at all and um, we don't have the capability to get it but except, except brandon's got your email addresses he knows who wants yeah stickers. unless you actually send it to me in email we don't know anything mm. but uh nonetheless we we do uh under i understand that and we both all of us understand it's like yeah the certificate thing and, and that but it, and also it's just annoying right it's like well what's going on here so so we know there i was about to say we're working on it but to be technically correct because everything's in the cloud now and we've uh ceded control to of the of everything to a provider we're, we're waiting for them to do work and then uh when they're ready i will go in and i will click one radio button that looks like that will happen and that will be the work i do to turn it on so don't worry Hold about on. it if you're seeing that we know about it and uh i think it'll be fixed here soon but like all software i have no idea could be a day that's gonna show yep i don't know i don't know i'm Maybe this is a question. I don't know where Fireside falls on our, our, our hierarchy. I hope I think they're a high performer, so probably really fast. That's oh, what yeah. I think. Brandon, we'll Brandon if if we if we haven't learned anything, outsourcing doesn't work. This <laughs> <laughs> is right. gonna show up in the next state of the DevOps report. Yeah. Let me You've say, got to take responsibility for clicking that radio button. If uh, if this three people have to put together our own podcast host, that would probably be the end of the podcast. So mm. we're, 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 you know, that's the, the slide they did say, well, it's outsourced or it's over. You know, yeah. you pay. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's we, we, we just, we, we just put it. We just put it on a Dropbox share and that's, that's how you're going to have to listen to it if, if we need to do our own <laughs> system. Still won't be gathering metrics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, there must be some word. I don't, I don't understand computers in general. But like, uh, there must be some word for over security of Fizing or something, because I, I was I saw there's something in Fireside where they let you add SSL certs certificates, and and I was just thinking like, for our site, 
Like, I get that you should do HTTPS for everything, but I, I think it's a strictly read-only site if you're a listener. So, like, you don't actually need that. I mean, I guess, I guess if you were in some sort of oppressive country and for some reason they were going to send you and your family to a work camp because you were looking at our podcast then maybe you need it encrypted. But then they also know the URLs that you're going to, so you're going to go to the work camp anyways. So like, that, That's why you use Tor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Got to use, use the dark web. <laughs> you got to use Tor to get to software-defined talk. I see. That's, I see. Get that's a, what the, get a the VPN. tinfoil has but, but, yes. you know, But only, only half, you know, 0.5 more seriously. Like, it is, like, I don't think we actually need to secure... The website? Am I am I wrong on that? I mean, I feel like it's maybe like putting two FA on my oven. Like I just just like I don't need that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm no security expert, but uh, DevSecOps. I, I think it's one of these things where I guess to make the other case, it's just sort of like I think Google is trying to step in for the user here and say like this: the whole man in the middle. Like, are mm-hmm. you looking at the site? You're look. You know what I mean? Kind of like, are you looking at the site? that you think you're looking at or did someone else get in the middle there yeah Yeah. i think that's the case they're making i mean you know again because we don't actually actually ask for any information i think you're right but like you know maybe there there is a potential scenario where like someone thinks they're looking at our site and suddenly we do start asking for information and they're like oh of course of course i'm going to give brandon the information because he doesn't care and it's like but in in reality it's you know uh, something else I figured, so. I figured it out. We actually have 20,000 downloads a month, but someone has successfully been phishing our site oh, and making only. them download an alternate thing. So uh, probably software-defined crap. <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're one of those 18,000 people who are wondering why do we have five ads read by people you've never heard of mysteriously in Russian, like in every single episode telling you that like your site lacks interesting comments and they want a link share, you, should, you need to make sure that you haven't been phished. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sorry about that. We didn't have a certificate so that, you know, it was real. Uh, so, well, also, yeah. uh, I was updating, well, let's, let's, let's be honest, Matt and I's, uh, travel. Uh, I think, I think Brandon is a man about town has, has traveled extensively in Austin, uh, in the upcoming times, but, uh, <laughs> Matt and I are going to be all over the place, uh, in the coming months. So I can't really list everything, it. but uh, you should go check out the show notes, you know, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 146. You can see places interesting and not interesting will be if you want to come along and, uh, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it to the uh, listeners to decide which is which. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so this week, Brandon, what do you recommend to the people? Yeah, I just uh, really binge watched Ozark season two. So this is this Netflix, Jason Bateman. Um, you know, his family is forced to go live in the Ozarks in Missouri and they get all caught up in all kinds of crime. And I really enjoy, I, enjoy, I thought season one was great and I, season two just came out and it's, it's one of those things. It's a great binge, binge watch show. So if you have a long international flight or you're just looking for, I think it's 10 episodes, whatever. So about 10 hours of content. It's, uh, it's just very, very easy to like, uh, waste the whole day or a long flight watching it. So definitely watch it. It's a great show, and I think they'll probably have a season three. So, Jason Bateman, you know, I think this is this a sweet spot. The role's just like this. Really mm. liked it. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. I wonder, I, I should look up, uh, you know, it rains a lot here in Amsterdam. I wonder if there's a lot more Netflix viewing in a rainy place than a non-rainy place. Yeah. Although, I think it would be skewed because, like, also, if you're in a really hot place, you don't go the fuck outside because it's hot. 
So maybe maybe it's more extreme weather conditions uh, cause lots of viewing. Well, I do know, I think at one point, and I'm sure it's been given a bunch of times, probably the internet, there was a presentation, I guess it was Adrian Krakow when he was at Netflix, we did something about like uh, when the East Coast, you know, in the, in the US, when the East Coast would get like a huge snowstorm, right? They would see mm. like this massive spike. Like they knew that day they were gonna have a massive spike oh, in yeah. viewing and recommendations. So I know like weather patterns like that, like, you know, like everyone has to stay home from school kind of patterns, like for sure they see a massive spike in yeah. traffic those days. Oh, that's interesting. How about yourself, Matt Ray? Uh, I don't have anything uh, too exciting, but uh, I've been, uh, I've found out recently, this probably isn't very recent, um, StarCraft Two is now free, uh, and I've been playing it with my kids. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so that's my pick is, uh, you know, you, you, uh, it's it's fun. What can I say? Um, but uh, that that's my pick for the week. Um, now, yeah, now I know opinion. I ask this every time because I can't remember. StarCraft is the resource management one, right? Where you're like building out your your things Armies to fight each other. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, and then real time strategy game. Which which star one is the one with the uh, the Urquat like enemies that you're flying oh, that was, around? That, that, that was Star Control. Star Control. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make note of that. Not to be confused. This is the exciting Cote types part. Of, not to be confused <laughs> with Star Control. Okay, where they would go, yeah. and then the little squids <laughs> would fly around. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, as as a as a uh, uh, sub recommendation, if you haven't heard the uh, the Skype dialing noise, do yourself a favor and go look that up. The, the new jazzy Skype <laughs> dialing noise. It's the new uh, Cisco call manager hold music. It's just wow. like it's it's good stuff. That's my my sub recommendation. Well, uh, I, I've got I've got a, a couple of recommendations and and uh, an, an anti recommendation. So here at the new house, as I was saying on my uh, the most recent cashed out dot coffee podcast episode, there's all sorts of wondrous things in this house that we're renting uh, that I would never consider buying, but that I I should have that are great, and one of them. Uh, is there's like a big gigantic uh, Sony flat screen TV, and it's got it's got Netflix built right into it, um, which I don't. There's something about the way I was brought up as as a uh, programmer where the idea of using Netflix that came with your TV, I just would never even try it, right? <laughs> but I don't know what that is. It's it's some best of breed thing or something. But it turns out the app is phenomenal. Like it's great and it's built right into the TV and it's got this big Netflix button on the remote. Like maybe it's cause I'm older, but it's wonderful, right? Like I love that. So if you haven't tried using the embedded Netflix on whatever device you have, you should try it out. It might be awful, but it could also be awesome. And, and uh, how, how, how much interacting with the app do you usually do? What, you mean right? with, it's, with Oh, with the Netflix. Well, right. you mean, I mean that, like, like, yeah, you, you pre I press the button and then I find the uh, the uh, the My Little Ponies, except they're humans in school episode, you know, show for my daughter to watch. And I'm out. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. awesome. I love that. And I, then, I, I, the, the minimal experience is the best experience. And, and by the way, next time you go to the, the, the pragmatic product marketing people, Brandon, you should tell them that they need to do a case study. Of, of brand extension on that whole My Little Pony thing, right? I think that is genius. They were like, we're kind of tapped out on the ponies talking about bats and shit, but what if we transform them into girls in a school? We can use the same plots over again, and boom, new product line, 
right? Like it's oh, just wow. that that is that is genius. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's been done, but there has actually been some write ups of around the the Netflix buttons on remotes because it's uh, you know obviously Netflix pays a fee, right? Because you don't mm. you don't usually see anything but a Netflix. You don't see like an Amazon Prime button most of the time, and so like there was um, I, I read about it. it was like some surprisingly big statistic like it's something like i don't know i'm gonna make it up it's like 60 percent of the viewing happens when people from people clicking one of those buttons or oh, pressing wow. rather one of those buttons wow. and it's uh so people you know because i think people often like why do people why do they have this it's like yeah well they know this is a, a huge yeah. uh, way people view it and i will also say that just in my my own anecdotal uh, story is here it's much easier for uh, <clears throat> let's just say the non-tech people in, in your house they they gravitate towards that like yeah. they press that button so I always make sure that that's working and then I do think uh, from what I've seen the ones that are built in the best uh, software and TV that I've seen are these as a Roku uh, TV so like mm. the Roku software if you have a TV that has Roku software on it I think Ooh. you're getting a pretty good experience so. yeah yeah Th- this this one that, that we have here is like a a Sony incomprehensible you know letters and numbers model name after it but man it's mm-hmm. it's it's good stuff so uh uh yeah i mean to repeat myself for i saw that netflix button first thing and i was like oh boy here we go again but uh man i love that button that's good stuff so <laughs> my uh my other re- small recommendation we watched uh speaking of binge watching my wife and i watched uh this this uh, hbo show sharp objects you got you got you over here you pay uh 70 euros and you get like 400 megadoodle internet to your house, and you also get like every TV channel plus HBO on demand. It's phenomenal. Uh, wow. Very cheap. Uh, anyways, so we watch Sharp Objects, and that, that, that's, that's a great show. Like all shows like this, the, uh, the end of it is just like a total letdown of, of just like laziness. Uh, I mean, it's, it's patterned after a book, so I guess they can't really choose, but it's just like, oh, well, that was fucking convenient. Like it's the, the ends of letdown, but until episode one to seven, pretty good. Actually it's episode one to six cause seven starts to, uh, solve the mystery, but it's a very well, uh, well done show. And it has like a very, uh, dreamlike state to it, which is good. And then, uh, uh, you know, speaking of entertainment, my anti-recommendation, I don't know why this is the case, but I've got three different remotes and I have to do some sort of like, you know, chicken blood voodoo to make them all coordinate together. And I don't, I, I even spent like an afternoon trying to like get it all hooked up. And it's just like, I don't, I don't understand what the fuck's going on with that. I'm sick of it. Right. Like I don't want to have three remotes. So don't do that. Uh, whoever's listening, please. <laughs> well, as always, uh, this has been software defined talk. As mentioned many times, you can go to uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 146 to get the show notes. If you move to 146, you'll see that we have a Slack channel you can join, and uh, you should do that. There's discussion there uh, of, of topics we might do and things here and follow-up and all, all sorts of exciting stuff going on there. We have a little newsletter as well that auto, is auto-wired to email out the, uh, the, the show notes each week if you're interested in emails and things like that. And uh, remember to write an iTunes episode. Otherwise, we'll cry, uh, which, you know, is not a pretty sight. Uh, we'll have a whole episode, 90 minutes of crying. That, that'll be fun. Uh, yeah. are, are you two up for that? I think, I think that's motivation. <clears throat> so uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Galway. 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 Galway.